was an angsty youth. I had but one career aspiration, one job I could see on the horizon. I'd stand up on my tippy toes, trying in vain to reach for my one true calling, but could never quite get it in my clammy grasp. I could never call myself Allison Page, barista. Growing up, I remember there being one drive through coffee shop in my hometown roughly the size of a thumb, which I never went to because I didn't have my driver's license yet, and my dad would never have taken me because he is staunchly pro-free coffee. He believes coffee should primarily be delivered via a giant silver cylinder sitting out all day in a hardware store. You want coffee? Go buy a hammer. Half the time, I think we went to the hardware store because he needed caffeine, and he was just buying a table saw for show. The only other coffee shop in town I remember at the time was so much more than a coffee shop. It was called Scandia House and was exactly what it sounds like. A little shop stuffed full of Scandinavian treats and oddities. And to me, it was the most magical place in the world. I'd never seen so many fascinating things in one location. I knew immediately that I wanted to work there. I daydream about hammering down ground espresso in whatever that little thing is called, steaming the milk, coming up with eccentric flavor combinations that would take the region by storm, strawberry pistachio hazelnut mocha latte, half-calf double whip triple homicide. Except I only ever saw one person working at a time. It was obvious they weren't exactly hiring, and eventually there was no more Scandia House. The drive-through later became a sit-down place, and then it closed too. Eventually, a new coffee shop opened up and seemed to be doing quite well for several years. But on October 14, 2023, Wired Bean, which was also often the only place in town I could sit and use the Wi-Fi when visiting my parents, announced it was permanently closing its Thief River Falls location. The only coffee shops left are a new drive-through and the caribou coffee inside the grocery store, right by things like deodorant and hemorrhoid cream, meaning there's no real coffee house. No place to sit and write the next great American novel, or in my case, a screenplay about two florists who accidentally grow a very hot man in their greenhouse. There will still be people who think there are too many coffee shops. But they only think that because they haven't had my half-calf, double-whip, triple homicide. Yet. I'm still alive, and I could still learn to serve you coffee. Stick with us and find out what it really means to be employed in this small town. Welcome to Episode 5, Hardly Working. The population of Thief River Falls is roughly 8,600 people. DigiKey, a company that distributes electronic components, is one of the largest employers in town, with over 4,000 employees. Not all of them actually live in town, some commute an hour or more to come to work each day, but a good chunk of their employees do live locally. Growing up, my understanding was always that everybody's parents worked at either DigiKey or Arcticat, which manufactured snowmobiles. Arcticat was acquired by Textron in 2017. Neither of my parents worked at those places, so I'd never stepped foot inside the buildings. In July of 2023, I took a tour of DigiKey as part of my 20-year high school reunion. 
I don't know what other people do for their reunions, but we absolutely walked around in an enormous facility full of electronic components ready to be distributed. Every little girl's dream. The building is unreal. It's huge. And because none of the machines in there mean anything to me, they all kind of blend together into a mass of metal. I had a strong urge to jump on any of the zillion or so conveyor belts, but I exercised restraint. A classmate stared sparkly-eyed at a giant button and wanted to push it so badly he was like the Tex Avery wolf looking at Red Riding Hood. All I kept thinking as I walked around was, if I worked here, I'd get lost and end up living in a dark corner nobody ever checks. But I'm not sure there are actually any dark corners. It's the cleanest place I've ever seen in my entire life. Like how I imagine the inside of an alien spaceship belonging to a significantly more advanced species than human beings, who once famously created the KFC Double Down, where bacon and cheese are sandwiched between two pieces of fried chicken instead of bread. My parents, as I mentioned, didn't work at DigiKey or Arcticat, or as it tends to come out, Arctic Cat. My mother was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad worked at the local power plant. I absolutely loved Take Your Daughter to Work Day for two reasons. One, the thrill of quiet bonding time with my beloved father at his place of work. Two, they had cable. We lived out in the country and got three channels, which was the bane of my existence as a child. All Nickelodeon references were completely lost on me. Mostly what I knew about my dad's job, other than the TV perk, is that he worked around huge machines and that everyone in town called him when their power went out. He was in the local paper just before Y2K. My dad was asked what he planned to do with the new year coming up and the worldwide fear of collapse when all computers would probably explode as 1999 turned to the year 2000. His response was, You do whatever you want. I'm going to make some coffee. Apparently, he also rented a generator to a local bank who was worried about Y2K. They didn't need it, of course, but Dad assured me that he did still make a small profit. What an entrepreneur. When it comes to my own career trajectory, most of my jobs as an adult do not sound real. Before I became the managing editor of a tabletop role-playing, board, and card game company, I was a narrative designer for video games, and before that, the artistic director of a sketch comedy company. But in 2003, I was headed down a different path entirely when I started cosmetology school. Now, for me, this was never a dream career. I went to school just so I could have something to do in some other as-yet-to-be-decided city while I was trying to be an actor. And I'd always done wild things to my hair, so it made sense. I was a licensed cosmetologist for something like eight years, first in Minnesota and then in California, until I purposely let my license lapse to make it more difficult for me to ever go back to it. I was done. I felt like I was running as fast as I could, or bleaching as fast as I could, to still be constantly broke and physically exhausted, in addition to how difficult it was for me to pop out for auditions. I don't think this was a particularly unique experience. A 2022 study from the Century Foundation found that graduates from cosmetology schools are making near-poverty-level wages. The study found that cosmetologists earn an average of $16,600 annually, $9,000 less than the average annual income of workers with only a high school diploma. Of course, there are people who do significantly better than that and are very successful indeed. I don't have to tell you that. You know how averages work. 
but I can just see the comments rolling in now, so I've said it anyway. Additionally, the now-defunct Think Progress previously reported that hairstylists are more likely to die from Alzheimer's disease, pre-senile dementia, and motor neuron disease. It wasn't a shock for me to hear this. Even in school, I had heard that cosmetologists were more likely to get dementia. It was talked about pretty casually. The point is, tip your stylists and tip them well. But as a perk, you do get to know a lot of people fairly well in cosmetology school because you're constantly waxing each other's eyebrows and cutting each other's hair. And it was through all of this that I met Catherine Howard. You have unlocked a small town side quest. Head south on Highway 59 for 35 minutes, then turn left toward Faustin and Bagley. Don't blink or you miss, uh, mm, you missed it. Turn around, much better. Plenty of parking. You have arrived in McIntosh, Minnesota, population 579, give or take. This one is also, everybody loves this one. I personally, myself, am sick of it because I make a lot of it. Oh, what is that? Cocoa butter cashmere. Oh, I like that one. Howard's Soap Company is very unlikely to exist. It's plopped in the middle of what looks like the only street in McIntosh where you can do any shopping. Cleveland Avenue. Howard's Soap is tucked between Louis Mercantile and Minnesota Rust, an antique store, and across the street from McIntosh's only grocery store, Jared's Grocery. In case you were wondering, yes, it was very hard to decide whether to pronounce it grocery or grocery. And both are correct, and I've probably said both in this episode, so take your pick. Today, I'm here to see the proprietor of Howard's Soap Company herself. More candles. We have lotion, mm-hmm. we have body oil. This is a popular one in the summer. It has tomato lycopene in it. So like when you get really good and burnt because you're out at the beach for the first time and you're like, this stuff like helps you. Catherine looks exactly as I remember her. Perfect but unfussy hair, flawless makeup. She looks equally likely to give you a great mascara recommendation or jump on the back of a horse and ride away into the sunset. The shop itself looks like something people on Valencia Street in San Francisco would go absolutely feral for. It's rustic but polished, well-stocked but not overly stuffed with product. It feels chic and smells great without being overpowering. Soap nuts? Oh, What is that? that? (laughs) This was like a one-time... It's for washing laundry. Oh. Okay, so very strange it comes on a tree and when you get them wet they do suds and it smells like raw soap it is strange i don't know i can't myself so how did this place end up in a town of less than 600 people well it all started in 2008 when Catherine bought a single bar of soap i bought a bar of soap at some craft show so it would have been like the winter of 2008 i bought this bar of soap i'm like oh my god this is amazing because i was always a um like a body wash type of person. Mm-hmm. And I after I bought that bar of soap, I'm like, I'm never, this is not like other soap. This is not like the soap you get in the store. Something's different here. So <laughs> I became a little bit obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Mind you, at this time, I didn't even have the internet. Okay, I didn't even have a smartphone. I'm you didn't not, have the I'm internet not, no, in I did 2008? Not, no, did not have the internet. I And I so I was this Susie homemaker staying at home doing the garden, taking care of the kids, doing all... I didn't even... I Here's what I did. I went to the library 
in Greenbush and got a book on soap making. I was poor. You know, I got all these kids. Husband's a farmer. Poor, okay? So I'm like, I mean, that bar of soap was like really expensive. And I'm like, so I'm just going to make my own. Because I've always been like that. If I can't, like if if I can't get someone to help me with something or if, if something needs to be fixed, like I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like I'll just do it myself. So I went and got this book. And then I, then I went and ordered all the stuff. And then... It has lie, and I'm like, this is scary. So I bought all this stuff. I didn't touch it for a couple months because I'm like, I'm gonna blow up the house if I do this. Mm-hmm. Finally, one day, I'm like, eh, I'm just gonna do it, you know. So I made soap for the first time. Yeah, he is. He He's is a baby. At this point, one of the two sweet, sleepy shop cats crawls onto my lap. Yes, I'll post photos on Instagram. I, I started giving it away as gifts, all right? So, and then people are like, I need more. So then I started making more. And then and then it got to be, like, I was making so much. So then I, I did a craft sale. And it just it was a real, yeah, I, do you want me to put him in the back? He's I mean, he's so sweet. Do you want me to take him? I Should I take the baby? In 2016, she started an Etsy shop. But progress was slow. She had a lot going on. I mean, I had five kids in seven years like I just wow yeah right I I opened up an Etsy shop didn't put a whole lot of effort into it I was really just like now you talk to people who are doing they're like before they even open the shop they're like I need to get this SEO down and I need to do this and I need you know after I opened up this Etsy site didn't even I think I maybe had one or two orders um a month after that I got this message on there and it was some lady she's like oh I, I'm a buyer for her burgers and we'd like to, and I'm like, this has got to be fake. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't, at first I'm like, no way. Cause you, you get that a lot. I actually, I don't answer a lot of questions now for that seems too good because usually it is too good to be true. Mm-hmm. But she in fact was a buyer for her burgers and, um, it ended up being my first real huge wholesale count. I went into it not knowing anything that I was doing, but it turned out for the best. But here's the thing. So I had filled probably two big orders for them. And then, let's see, I filled one in the summer and then one in the fall. And then they weren't paying me. Like, they're on a net 30, right? Yeah. So they, but it was like getting to, it was like 60 days. And I'm like, oh, this is taken. So then mm-hmm. I would email them and then they'd finally send out this check. Well, they they sent an, an order to me for Christmas. And I'm thinking to myself, first of all, I have to order in all these materials there's no way in hell I'm going to have this done for them to get it on the shelves and sell it before Christmas. Yeah. Plus, they're not going to pay me till probably, you know, February. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to let this one go. Mm-hmm. Well, they went bankrupt. Herberger's department store first opened in 1927 in Osakis, Minnesota, and grew over the decades, eventually becoming part of Saks Incorporated. And then Saks sold it to Bonton. In April 2018, all stores were liquidated. Several months later, the Herbergers website was updated. Since the fall of 2018, Herbergers.com has said simply, Herbergers, coming soon. The store you know and love is coming back and better than ever. And there's a field to enter your email for a 20% off coupon. Herbergers now belongs to Brand X. As recently as 2022, there seemed to be plans to reopen. But as of the fall of 2023, I could find no more specific updates beyond that, other than articles about the future of specific former Herberger's locations and whether they've been redeveloped or torn down. On Brand X's website, 
Her Burgers is currently listed as coming soon. So it seems plenty of time to sign up for that 20% off coupon. So that was my first wholesale experience. Catherine's first wholesale experience fading into the background, she was in a rather precarious situation. While she did have supportive parents, she was also... I'm making, you know, maybe a thousand bucks a month. Her burgers was, was, was pretty good because I, I was able to make enough money to pay off some of the credit card debt that I had built up buying this, the materials. And at the time, I was actually using credit cards to buy gas and groceries. Mm-hmm. It was not, not the smartest thing, but what do you do? When yeah, you, you gotta do what, what you, you gotta do, do when you don't have any money, yep. you know? So <laughs> I got divorced. I've got five kids. I've got this business that's pulling in maybe a grand a month. I'm thinking single mom not really a job. We're either going to end up in an apartment or, and I couldn't live with my parents because it was in court papers. So I had to find something, right? So I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to move into an apartment with these five farm kids. Okay. And we had like a lot of cats and I'm like, are we're going to, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my brother's like, you know what? Um, this family friend of ours has this house. So I went and saw the house. Well, it turns out I know this house. Like, my dad knew the old man who lived there, and I had been there as a kid to pick up farm equipment. Like, I know this house. It was old. It was crappy. It smelled like cigarette smoke. I was like, I'll take it. Like, I don't (laughs) care. I ended up getting a job working 12 bucks an hour answering phones for my cousin. Anyone who's ever been broke for an extended period of time knows how creative you have to get. So Catherine made an interesting choice. I put myself in school. Not because I really needed an education, but I needed money. So I'm like, well, I'll just take out the max and student loans because I need something to sit on to pay bills. Like, I gotta pay rent and everything, whatever. But I went to school for web design, which has been very useful. I'm, I'm at this precipice where I'm like, I have to quit making this stuff because if I don't actually do something with it, all I'm going to be doing is buying materials and wasting money and I don't have time to play around, you know, I need, to, I need a job, I need to do all this stuff, I can't work for 12 bucks an hour and, you know, if, am I going to go to work for someone to do web design, what am I going to do? And then I, I came to town here and set up for this Harvest Fest. The owner of Minnesota Rust approached her with an idea. She comes to me and she's like, you know, I got this idea. Tell me all about it. But they had pretty much purchased this whole block. She wanted, she had this vision. She wanted to build a downtown Macintosh. And she's like, I want to fix up this building. Do you want to rent it? So this building that we're in right now was just a dilapidated, empty shell of a building, right? And I was like, okay. Uh, it took me like a month and a half to sign the lease because I was just like, what, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is a huge risk. I... You know, I can barely pay rent in my home. You know, what am I doing kind of thing? Like, this is so stupid. But I did it anyway, and I just, there again, I just, you just let go, you know. How much was your rent for this place? It was five fifty. Wow. Yeah. That is so cheap. I know, and I was like, wow, this (laughs) is so much. It took off. Like, we, the town loved it, and. Like, immediately. Immediately. Were you surprised by that? Well, kind of, because it's a small town. People here are not bougie. (laughs) And, you know, we're on Highway 2, but we're off Highway 2, and who wants to come to McIntosh kind of thing? But 
not only were we well received locally, but we had a lot of traffic from Bemidji and mm -hmm. Grand Forks and people were coming from Fargo. And at this point, I, I did have somewhat of an online presence too. Like I opened up a website and I had my Instagram page and my Facebook page. And so I had a following and people would come here. They would travel to come here and see the store and, and I don't know. So that's where we are now. One of the keys to the success that we've had is we we really try to keep it like a community thing. Like we try, we do fun events. We do, there's tractor days. That's been here since I was a kid, but we incorporated our stores into it. And, you know, we get food trucks. It, it actually gave me the ability to like feed my family without mm. and pay off. I paid off. So did you get to quit that phone answering job? Oh, yes, I did. They got out of their living situation, too, when someone told Catherine about a free house. The catch was, she had to move it. That's right, she had to find somebody to pick the house up off its foundation and move it to another foundation. Which also means she needed a foundation built and ready for a house, but with no house on it. After a crew dropped out on her last minute, she did what anyone might do in this situation. She asked some Amish guys to do it. In the span of just a few years, Catherine went from newly divorced mother of five barely making ends meet in a rundown rental house to a business owner with a thriving shop online, a popular destination brick and mortar store in a town of less than 600, a designated workspace to produce her goods, her product on the shelves of stores and boutiques in the area, and a house that used to be somewhere else. This morning, I almost accidentally ate from the dog's peanut butter jar. So what does the future look like for Howard Soap Company? Uh, honestly, uh, next for me, I, I, it's, it's, it's the hiring, it's the letting go of the control, allowing people to help me, it's that. It, it's, Do you see a point at which you really don't actively work on this every day? I don't think so. I, I have a consultant in California who's like, you know, everybody's goal is to like build up this big business and sell it. But it's so personal to me, mm -hmm. you know, like, I just don't think I could do that. Yeah. But after having made the same stuff over and over again, I can kind of see that. But yeah. I, I would have to always keep creating something. What do you think your kids think of all of this? They've sort of seen it from the very oh, beginning. Oh, they're, they're, not, they're not impressed. <laughs> no, they're not. It's time to head back home. But you might want to backtrack eight minutes and grab something at the A&W in Faustin. Always a good idea. Thief River Falls vocab lesson, I suppose. As in, well, I suppose we should get going before the cows revolt and trample the ducks again. My grandpa Martin, it feels weird to say that because everyone called him Junior, but if I say Grandpa Junior, it sounds very much like he was the assistant to the real grandpa. So I'll call him Grandpa Martin. My Grandpa Martin never once finished a sentence that started with, I suppose. It was just assumed that the whole sentence was, I suppose we better get going. But it's amazing we ever worked that out, because I suppose would be said no fewer than 15 times before the actual leaving of the house took place. Sometimes it would be emphasized with two hands, palms down on the arms of a chair, but no real pushing up out of the seat until at least five I supposes into the exit. So remember, when you hear I suppose, it's time to goes in like 45 minutes. Next week on This Small Town, 
Allison catches up on the latest local news. Thanks to Katherine Howard for talking to me for this episode. You can check out Howard Soap Company and buy their products online at howardsoapcompany.com. Personally, I have my eye on the farmhouse cider bar or the autumn fig. Do I seem like an autumn fig to you? Or maybe witch's brew? Hmm. To keep up with everything happening in this small town, follow us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at smalltownpod and on Substack at allisonpage.substack.com. This small town is written, produced, and narrated by me, Allison Page. Theme music by Al Kong. Additional narration by Peter Townley. This small town logo also by Peter Townley. Special thanks to some folks who supported the Indiegogo campaign for this small town that helped me get this thing started. An extra special thanks to supporters who gave at the majestic ham bun level and for whom I've written short bios as if they were born and raised in Thief River Falls. And for any supporters who were actually born and raised in TRF, I've reimagined your life anyway. I'll regale you with two of those tales now. Thank you to supporter Ash R., who painted a controversial mural of the mouth of hell on the dam somehow, kicking off years of speculation about whether one could access the afterlife by approaching the hell mouth with an offering of a tasty snack. Thank you to supporter Amanda R., who wrote a thinly-veiled fiction book clearly set in Thief River Falls. After a campaign to get the book banned from the Tri-County area actually increased sales by 300%, she went on to erect a billboard with her own face on it that read, Try me, and you'll be in the sequel. Okay, until next time, remember, Hi to the folks! folks.